Coming up on today's episode, Paul Maurice and the Panthers are off to the Stanley Cup final. What does that mean about the Jets? Plus, Nino stands up for Winnipeg. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here to head into the weekend in style. Joining us once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki is here with us. Tyson, I hope you're doing a lot better than I'm doing right now. So please tell me the answer is yes or else you are in a world of hurt. I, I probably am doing it a little bit better than you if it's that bad. What's what's going on? Well, Tyson, <laughs> I had, I wouldn't even say my first old age scare or something like that. But I fell down the stairs today. Oh my gosh. And this, this wasn't like a, you know, kind of a foot slip and you trip down a stair or two. I'm talking like, rolling and flipping and smashing which was also hilarious too because it happened right after my 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 daughter went down for her nap as i went down the stairs um but yeah um i i basically turned into that like meta alert commercial or like life assist i was just (laughs) yeah oh i i fallen and i definitely did not get back up um (laughs) That was, that was a tough one. It, it's, yeah, I, you know, it's funny going back to last episode. In the span of a day, I was on top of the world, king of the kitchen, to sprawled out on my living room floor, <laughs> five feet away from my lunch and unable to go get it because I couldn't stand up. And now my entire body is broken. If I, if I was a racehorse, they would have put me down on the track. That's how much of a mess I was in. And it's not did much better make, right now. Did you make it around the corner? Like, did you roll all the way down the stairs? There's like oh yeah, bit of a... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The only thing that broke my fall was our was our wooden landing. <laughs> Jeez. Well, yes, yeah. I, am, I am doing better than you. Then. <laughs> well, that's good. So yeah, I mean, hey, anybody listening right now, if you think if you think your day's been tough, if you're looking forward to the weekend, could be a lot worse. I, I you could be in a body cast, which I might have to be. I'm not going to go to the doctor though because. I can't even get in the car to go drive there, but we'll, we'll battle through it. We'll get through this somehow. Um, plenty to get into in this episode as well, even though we're kind of in the, the doldrums in terms of the offseason for teams that aren't in the playoffs right now. And a big story that's kind of, you know, taken over the city of Winnipeg over the last 24 hours or so. And we'll get to that uh, right away in just a sec. But um, let's continue this new tradition we have, Tyson at least the off-season tradition, NHL trivia. Do you have something today that can stump the Schwabby? Yeah, I got I got a few. I got, I'm going to keep it easy, and I'm going to roll with some Stanley Cup clinching goals. So we got three <laughs> lined up for you. I don't know how easy that is. <laughs> so we'll start off in 1995-96 Cup Finals. Oh, Tyson, that is way too easy. Come on. I was, I, I was basically everybody around my age was an Avalanche fan because they were like the new or they were the old Golden Knights. 
but I'm guessing you're talking about uh, in the third OT, Uwe Krupp, German's <laughs> finest. Correct. That would yeah. be correct. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll so then let's try. Uh, what about in the 1999-2000 Stanley Cup final, the New Jersey Devils won in double overtime? That would be Jason Arnott. Correct again. I, I should have picked older ones. No, well, you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this last one, 0506 Hurricanes. Ooh, and they've got they had a random team too. <laughs> Cub clincher. Part of me wants to say Andrew Ladd, but I I don't think it was him. I'll go. I'll go with Corey Stillman. No, wait, no, no. Frantisic Caberlet. <laughs> it is Frantisic Caberlet. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of like vaguely remember it being a defenseman. I know, I mean, that that was the game Chris Pronger had a penalty shot goal. Yeah, in game first, in game seven of the Cup final, wasn't that the first Stanley Cup or wasn't that the first Stanley Cup penalty shot too? I'm almost it had to have been. <laughs> yeah, <Chris laughs> how was that ever happened there? Yes, three for three. You know, there's one. I don't know why I know this. But it just sticks in my memory, I guess. But the, I think it would have been 0304, but it was the year, like the, the J.S. Jaguar, Con Smythe year. Do you know who scored the, the cup clinching goal in that one for the Devils against the Ducks? Wasn't that uh, Ukraine's finest? No, oh, no, that, that's not a bad guess. He is currently an analyst, I think, for NHL Network. I don't know. It was Mike Rupp. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he scored twice too in that in in, in a game seven for the Devils oh against the Ducks. I'll, I'll, I'll always remember Mike Rupp for that stupid Yager salute in the Winter Classic. Like, what a bum! Oh yeah, like, <laughs> know know your place, right? It was yeah, yeah. What a that yeah three zip. Well, oh, it was Jeff Friesen that scored twice. Mike Rupp scored the game winning goal though. There we go. All right. Well, you tried, Tyson, but you couldn't take me down there. That's my sweet spot is, is cup clinching goals. If you can try to find another one later on in the show, you can give me a shot there, but I think I'm going to take you down. Um, let's shift gears a little bit now to some more current events. And we might see somebody hold those honors. And it could be the guy that gives Paul Maurice his first Stanley Cup. Man, just a legendary run by the Florida Panthers. Taking down the one seed, the two seed, and the three seed en route to the Stanley Cup final. And Paul Maurice's Florida Panthers are through after beating Carolina. Essentially an OT winner, but a game winner by Matt Kachuk in a 4-0 sweep. Maybe the closest sweep we've ever seen in, in, in hockey history. <laughs> Carolina's pretty brutally hard done by but uh, when you you only has a 972 save percentage you're probably not going to lose too many games (laughs) did you see rod's press conference yeah that yeah he was he was pretty high on copium there (laughs) i mean i get i understand what he's saying but it's it's just i watched the i watched the series like well yeah you guys got (laughs) swept 
No, 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 no. We didn't. We didn't get swept, Tyson. We didn't get swept. We were beat. What? <laughs> what? You're just like you're just. You just have like the thesaurus out. You're just like alternate definitions of losing four straight. Yeah, it was very poorly explained, but I I think we all got what he was saying. But man, if I, if I was in his shoes, there I would I would have been the biggest baby of all. Like it would have just been like there's no way we're so good. Uh, either way, though, the conversation at least here in Winnipeg, and it I mean it happened immediately after the Panthers won that game, Tyson. And it continued into the morning on Thursday, and I joined Winnipeg Sports Talk Thursday afternoon, and it was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about. But it was either a victory lap or a continued run of hatred, depending on what your stance is, towards Paul Maurice, the former head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. And and it's it's the topic that everybody wants to keep talking about. So so we got to dive into it and, and and give our take on this, Tyson. I guess the main question, the main question is just this. First off, before we maybe dive into a few different tangents on this, but what does it mean for the Winnipeg Jets that Paul Maurice resigns, and then in his first stint immediately after coaches a team to the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, you know. I, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, I'm not going to say that this is a huge indictment on the team because Florida, Florida was a pretty good team. They won the President's Trophy last year. Like, yeah, they had to move out some guys, but they added Matt to Chuck. And their death pieces this year have performed very well for them, too. And Brandon Montour is taking the step up. And they're getting just hot goaltending at the right time, too. So I'm not going to go full out and say that Paul Maurice should have like you know like he had run his course at that time he took this team to a conference final two that was a very skilled team and early on in his tenure so i mean we could see in four years some of the problems that came with the jets near the end the same thing could happen with the panthers and we all know coaches have a shelf life so i'm not putting too much stock into it but it shows that paul maurice can still get his message across and that he is a good nhl coach and if you were a hater before there's not a lot that can you're just gonna hate regardless. Like you're hating to hate. You're oh yeah, and play, play his ball. And 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 that's kind of where I'm at here. Is that if you were a hater before, you're a hater still. If you're a pro Maurice, even when the Jets were struggling near the end, there you're gonna be even more so pro now because of what the Panthers have done in the postseason here. And 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 as always with most things, really in life, but especially in sports, this isn't a black and white thing. Like, there's so much gray involved here that my main takeaway is more so that what the Panthers are doing right now and what Paul Maurice has done with Florida should not be a referendum on anything. It shouldn't be a referendum on the Winnipeg Jets. It shouldn't be a referendum on Paul Maurice's coaching abilities. And it shouldn't be a referendum on how the Florida Panthers were built and if that's kind of the nouveau way of going about creating a winning team in in the current NHL. It, it it's such a random sport to begin with. And what's funny about the Panthers run Tyson is that whatever lane and narrative that you want to roll with, you have the facts and the data to back you up on it. <laughs> like you can, you could be a hater and you could say, Hey, this, this, and this is the reason why you can be pro Maurice. This, this, this is the reason why, you know, going big for star players at the, at the you know, in, in the off season, in terms of trades, 
here's a prime example of that working out. And then you can go the goalie, right? Like you can go all sorts of different ways and you can make your point and you're not wrong, but you're also not necessarily right either. It's just, it's funny how people make these sweeping declarations on legacies, on careers and different things like that. When just one or two little things like the butterfly effect could have changed the entire complexion of the NHL season and, and the Florida Panthers run in and of itself. I wonder what we're saying right now about Paul Maurice and the Panthers. If Pittsburgh doesn't choke away the final two games of the regular season, losing to the two worst teams in hockey on back-to-back nights, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh wins those. Florida doesn't get in. And we don't talk about Kachuk all that much we don't talk about Bobrovsky and, and Paul Maurice and the job he's it's the complete opposite right like it's Paul Maurice is he's on the way down but they got a bit of luck of course with Pittsburgh dropping two extremely winnable games with their playoff lives on the line but having said that as well the Panthers were maybe one of the unluckiest teams in the NHL this year because analytically they were a dominant group five on five. They had tons of chances for, they were out shooting the opposition, creating better chance, just couldn't find a way to turn that into, into wins and points. Right. So like both ends of the spectrum right there, even they're lucky, they're unlucky. They get into the postseason. They play good against Boston, but Bobrovsky stands on his head against Toronto and Carolina. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think you can end up looking like a fool a couple years down the line. If you look at what's happened here, and make a concrete statement, mark my words, this is why this happened here. When to me, we're just seeing a whole mishmash of random results all coming in at the same time. And it's why hockey is as beautiful of a sport as it is. It's why it's as maddening as it is. And it's why as dumb as it sounds on the surface, it sometimes does make sense when teams say, we just got to get into the playoffs. Because guess what? Florida just got into the playoffs and they've taken down three Titans, essentially, minus Toronto, on the way to being four wins away from a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and I, wa- I wonder how many teams now are going to have a different mentality as they approach closer to the trade deadline, right? Like, I wonder if there's some teams that maybe get a little bit of diluted thinking, like a, maybe like well, a potentially Vancouver, who's kind of around the bubble at the, at the deadline and they think that, hey, Florida just snuck in, so we can just sneak in too and make it. And I wonder if there's going to be some teams at the deadline and even throughout the offseason that think, hey, if we have like a semi-competitive roster this year, I mean, who knows? And it's, I think that could, it could work oh, out boy. for a couple of teams. And you all know, and you know that it's going to just flame out miserably for some other teams. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what, how the thinking around the NHL is going into next season and this offseason regarding just how competitive should our teams be and how how much should we just give ourselves a chance? Well, let's face it, Tyson. The Jets have been publicly saying for weeks, making the playoffs is an achievement. Like they, they kind of think that way. That's a little terrifying, mainly considering the fact that the majority of their core is one year away from heading out the door for free. So, like, that does kind of give you a little bit of pause. But I also kind of understand it, too, because the Jets are built a little bit like... Like, that. that's the scary part of all this, right? Now, I, I firmly believe that continuously going down the well of, hey, if we just get in, anything can happen. That's 
that's only true for maybe one team every couple of years, right? It's not like uh, every single year an AT gets to the final sort of a deal. Um, that, that's a, that's a very very treacherous path to go down if if you're any franchise, especially if you're you know the Winnipeg Jets in this instance. So that there's there's that part of it too. The other thing, and, and this is kind of the I don't know maybe the ironic thing about all this is people saying Maurice doing what he's doing right now with the Panthers paints the Winnipeg Jets' current group of players in a more negative light and maybe puts a more positive one on Paul Maurice. I really don't think that's true. This group of Jets players are who they've been for five-plus years. Whether or not the Panthers made the playoffs, went to the cup final, or finished 25th of the 32 teams, it doesn't change anything about the Winnipeg Jets group as a whole. Because we saw that this year. Like they they did the same old song and dance, tantalize you for parts of the season. And then when the chips are laid down, the majority of the club is nowhere to be found. So I I like I don't know. Maybe maybe you think differently, Tyson, but it, it really doesn't affect a whole lot about what I think about the Jets core. I, I guess my ultimate feeling, maybe in all of this, is just that I'm happy for Paul Maurice. Every time I've talked to him, he seems like a great dude. It's been super nice. I think he's a I think there's, in terms of coaches, I think there's the elite ones, which there's only a handful, and then there's a bunch of bad ones, and then basically every other coach is kind of grouped into this middle of, that's a solid coach. I, th- I think Paul Maurice is a solid coach, and you're right. He's he's doing what he's doing with the Panthers now, what he did with the Jets back in 2018, and he's got a talented group to buy into his system and his message, and anytime a, a team that's talented buys into a coach's message, you usually get what we're seeing out of Florida right now. Yeah, I, I think there's not too much to add there. Like this is, you hit it on the head. Like there's this Jets team. I mean, and, and if anything, it's cre- more credit to Paul Maurice that with what the clubs has shown over the past years that he was able to rein that kind of attitude in for at least a season for one playoff run. And that you know maybe it, it's people always like to say the grass like you know the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And you know sometimes I'm not gonna say Bones hasn't been. I'd say Bones has been pretty even with Maurice, all things considered, like with all the stuff that's been going down with the team too, it's kind of hard for to really accurately assess Rick bonuses a tenure so far with the Jets. So I just think, yeah, I think happy for Paul Maurice and this, this, this team doesn't have the same bite that a team like Florida does though right now. That is a great point. And, you know, so, so I, I'll, I'll pivot over to this then Tyson, because Hustler asked me this question. It's it's a great question, and I'm curious to see if your answer was similar to mine at all. If you take a look at, even if you want to say the conference finalists, the final four, but specifically Florida and Vegas, what do the Winnipeg Jets have to do to get to that level? Whether that be internal, external, roster construction, Something maybe a little more deeper than that. Is there anything that jumps out to you when you watch these teams and eventually the two that are going to be left standing here as to why the Jets are sitting at home watching the playoffs as opposed to continue to play in it right now? Well, Vegas and Florida both have two very good defensemen. I think that's a big thing. Part of it is that Shea Theodore and Petrangelo are one of the two like that's a top five duo in the NHL and Montour and Ekblad, like the way Montour has really stepped up this playoffs has been unbelievable. And he's going to be in for a big payday soon. 
And Ekblad's just kind of he he was a bit slower to start the season. He had some injury he had some injury problems too, and I think that kind of played into their early season struggles. Florida, but I mean, man, like you see, that's that's just what a difference it makes when you have two guys who can eat up thirty minutes a night. Like it's just or twenty five minutes a night. Like it's just it's just a different different way that you can have. There's a more there's more confidence in your team, especially. And I think the other thing too is just buy in. I think these are two teams that have really bought into a system and really, and the funny thing is both of them are first year coaches and you always see in the first year, it's a lot easier for for teams to buy in. And I think we've seen two groups who have a lot of bite who have, who are committed to playing a sound defensive game and then capitalizing on those chances. And I think that's exactly why the, both of these teams are that where they are. And obviously Bobrovsky helps for Florida. And I think that, both Vegas goalies, whoever they put in, I think Vegas just plays such a good game in front of them that it doesn't matter who's at net. And I think yeah. that's a part of it too, is just you got to have that ability to play in front of your net. And the Jets at times, like there was so many times this season where you just notice the net front coverage is just poor and guys are spinning off their, their guys so easily for an open net tap in extra chance sh- shots. Like it's just, but that's what I've noticed the most is that there's just a committed defensive play and everyone's really bought in and they, it's a team. That's all. That's really like the, the, the point I'm trying to get here is that it's just, these are legitimate teams. Yeah. That that's, I mean, bang on with what I said. I mean, the, the biggest issue is the identity of the Winnipeg Jets. It's, it's a negative one right now. <laughs> Whereas, you know, what you're getting with Florida you know what you're getting with Vegas. I mean, Dallas has had a bit of a tough run here, but even you know Carolina, like you, you knew Carolina, like when you go up against the Hurricanes, that it's going to be a, a absolute slaughterhouse, right? Like, but so the, like the identity of the Jets and in, in, in the core, and I don't know how you fix that either. Like, it's a much more philosophical question, I guess. But it just it it's felt for a few years now that there just isn't that core identity, work ethic, ethos, whatever you want to call it, that's something you see with the Vegas Golden Knights, for example. And I agree with you there. I mean, the fact that you can roll out three different goalies throughout the postseason and basically not miss a beat, and doing so against, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, for, for crying out loud, McDavid and Dreisaitl, you, you're able to shut them down with your third-string goalie? Like, imagine, imagine Mikhail Burden. In net for the Vegas, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, the Jets would have no chance there, right? So, so that's like, I mean, number one is is figure that out. But you're right too. I mean, it's it's not enough anymore. I think at least to have just a number one defenseman, you've got to have that guy on the second pair that can carry his own pairing and deliver almost identical results as your top guy does. And when you do that during the playoffs, that's fifty out of sixty minutes covered right there. And you've, you've got a chance there. But it's just too much to ask for, I think, for your second and third pairs to deliver high-end results when they're not high-end players. And that's going to be... I mean, it's not an easy issue to figure out. It's a much simpler fix to try to reconstruct your roster to find that guy as opposed to how do we become a difficult team to play against every single night as opposed to one game out of seven. So good to see we're on the same page there, Tice. You're starting to learn. You're maturing. You're becoming smarter, wiser. This is good. Jim Toft isn't rubbing off on you in a in a, in a negative way. So this is a, this is all positive things. I'm just kidding, JT. I love you. Um, so that'll do it with our look at the Panthers and what's going on there, the Cup Final. I mean, the good thing too, Tyson, is hey, we get a couple of quick series in here. Maybe the Cup Final ends in five games, and we're talking about 
the offseason officially kick it off in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm 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 down. I'm down with the early series here. And then we can get right into the Stanley Cup final sometime soon. Um, do you want to touch on one more thing before we wrap it up? Uh, and then this is a nice positive note as well, Tyson. It's always good to head into the weekend on on a slice of positivity. But Nino Niederreiter, everybody's favorite Winnipeg Jet, once he came over at the deadline, and I don't know if you heard this or not, Tyson, but uh, yeah, he's every Winnipeg Jets fan number one guy right now at the moment. I think Resign Nino might have been trending on Twitter the other day after this uh, article and his comments came out. Did you, did you catch this? You're kind of nodding your head there? I did, yes. For those that didn't, and I'll just kind of paraphrase and go over the main part of what, you know, hopefully should get Winnipeggers excited. Uh, but Nino asking about his tenure with the Jets since coming over the deadline. I, I guess he's speaking to the reporter when he says this, you know, a Winnipeg-based reporter, but says, you have a great fan base, but I do know it's a tough market over there. A lot of free agents don't want to go there because they don't know what it's all about. You just see the hotel and the arena. Sometimes as the visiting team, it's unfair to judge the city. The fans are fantastic. The team takes care of the players very well. It's a lot better than a lot of people think. Tyson, put it up as the new Manitoba tourism slogan. It's a lot better than people think. Nino for Prez. Nino for Premier. Nino for Premier. (laughs) Nino. Nino. I I love Nino. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, and then... I just think that Nino's a perfect guy to have on this team going forward. He's a guy that plays hard. And clearly, like, he's he he's a guy that gets the city, too. You can kind of tell. Like, he's just kind of – he's a guy that's been – and he's been in Minnesota, too. So, it's not like he's not used to this sort of climate as well. So, I think this is a guy that really – when you look past kind of, like, the, the first couple pages and you really dive into this book, that's that's Winnipeg. There's a lot of good things that uh, that you can find and a lot of things that make it feel like a home. So I think that, that Nino's hit it right on the head and hopefully you get attract some more free agents to Winnipeg. Like, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a couple more Swiss guys that want to come over. I was going to say, what's Roman Yossi's deal right now? <laughs> is, is that possible? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might not work. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's great. And, you know, it's, it's really how Winnipeggers as a whole sell the city, to be honest. It's like, look, once you're here, it's actually not that bad. And it's it's just nice to see a player who's in that situation kind of realize that. And look, it might not always work out well for the Jets in these situations, but I'll tell you what, Tyson, if he's feeling that way and he's liking the city and things like that, rebuild. Even if the team goes into a rebuild direction, man, you gotta you gotta keep this guy around like that. This is I like I kind of you know you obviously have to focus more so what's happening on the ice, but. To have a veteran guy who knows how to play the game the right way. I mean, he came in. He was immediately a spark plug and one of the team's most impactful forwards. He just seems like a guy that can, whether you're rebuilding, retooling, loading up, like he can help basically any team out there. And I, I think I saw someone mention like he's the new Matty Perot. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's what he is, right? Like a guy that can play line one, line two, line three, and he's going to bring it big time wherever he is in the lineup. I, I just I love everything about the guy. And then he comes out and says something like this. And you're right. Like, I don't know when the votes are, premier, mayor, whatever this stuff is, but run, run, Nino. You have whatever key to the city. Let's go, baby. Keep you in here in Winnipeg for four more years. Four more <laughs> years. Four. <laughs> yeah, Nino's the best. 
El Nino, Spanish, <laughs> which for... is which is Swiss for the Nino. <laughs> oh yes, it's all yeah. He always got to you take the wins when you can get them, right? And so anytime a player. I can't even say gushes about the city. Is it negative about the city? We take that as a big win around here. Uh, but I mean, that that's also what the Jets have to do in all reality. What he says there, something that I think kind of went under the radar is as a team, as a franchise, you have to treat the players exceptionally well. Um, there's a part of me that maybe wonders, are they too entitled at times? But I think that's just the risk you have to take there because you kind of got to go above and beyond uh, because you don't have the same amenities as a Chicago an LA uh, New York, I can go on and on and on there. But um, good to see that the Winnipeg Jets were able to get one guy on the right track here. So nice little bit of positivity to head into the weekend here. Nina wants to be here. We all want to be here. It's going to be a beautiful summer. Uh, but that's where we'll end off the episode here. And unless, Tyson, unless you have a Stanley Cup clinching goal that you came up with over the course of the episode. Let's end it with. Who scored the Calgary Flames cup-clinching goal? Martin Jelena. Oh, whoops. Not really. Uh, <laughs> suck it, Razor. That's our cousin. He still talks about it to this day. So in 89, oh, boy. I mean, I remember Lanny scoring, but I don't know if that was the cup clincher. I'll go, I'll go with Joel Otto. Incorrect. Was it Lanny? Nope. Doug Gilmore. Oh, I always forget he was on that team. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, he started in Calgary there. And then he was part of that unbelievably massive trade over to Toronto. It was like a 15-player trade or something like that. Um, that's a yo, that's a good one. I yeah, that's a stumper. I don't even know if Flame, I guess Flames fans might. I know the Lanny goal was kind of the famous one there. But I'm a big Joel Otto fan. That was that was the first palindrome I ever learned was was Joel <laughs> Otto's last name. Do you want to try? Do you want to try who scored the the 75 Stanley Cup Cup clinching goal for the Flyers? 75? Was it? Oh, oh, oh. see, I don't know if it was 74. Was it Andre Dupont? No. The Moose? No. It was a forward. Oh, well, I mean. Do we go with the Riverton Rifle himself to go to a, a weekend in style? No. You give up? Well, I mean, I could name old flyers, but I don't know if people want to hear that. So you could just tell me. Oh, 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 oh. Big hound dog, Bob Kelly. Baby. Kelly. Bob Kelly. Yeah. Oh, the glory days. That. Yep. Even the hammer. Maybe in another 1975 years, we can see the Flyers score a cup winning goal. <laughs> Damn it. Our team sucks. I was in a good place, and then you had to go ruin it with the Flyers being 50, almost 50 years. Oh, that's so sad. Okay. Well, we're going to end the episode right now, and <laughs> I'm going to try to trudge my way up the stairs and hopefully get up there by midnight. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. When we get back at it on Tuesday morning, we'll talk about potentially a Stanley Cup final preview. 
as well as the latest rumors, news, off-season tidbits around the Winnipeg Jets. And either on Tuesday or Friday next week, we will unveil a new what-if, but a what-if based on both myself and Tyson's dream off-season for the Winnipeg Jets. What we would do in charge and how the team would look this upcoming season, how they would fare as well. So you want to make sure you tune in for that this upcoming week. Until then, though, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the last one in May, and let's kick off June in style next week. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Until then, stay safe and have a great weekend, everybody. Peace.